Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. According to the UN, the global population is projected to reach 9 billion in 2050. Food production is one of the leading causes of climate change and creates between 25 to 30 percent of global greenhouse gas emissions every year. How can we feed the planet without costing the Earth? In a series of six episodes sponsored by Tetrapack, we will attempting to answer this question. Tetrapack is the world leading food processing and packaging solutions company with a mission to accelerate decarbonization and transform the world's food systems. In the six programs, we will talk to different stakeholders and explore how they are working to eliminate hunger and reduce the impacts of the food systems on the climate. A collaboration is key between different stakeholders to drive change in the food system. For that reason, I have Rebecca Heskett with me from Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Welcome, uh, Rebecca. Thanks for having me on, Kai. Uh, you and your organization, a networker leader with stakeholders, with ambition to drive change, going from a linear to a circular economy. How can Ellen MacArthur Foundation inspire collaboration in the complex food system? It's a really good question, Kai. So um, ahead of answering that, I actually think it might be quite good to take a step back and actually talk about what is the circular economy and how does it compare to what we currently have, which is the linear economy. The easiest way to describe our current uh, our circular economy is by looking at what our current economy is. So by describing the linear economy. So in our current economy, we predominantly take finite resources, we make stuff, we use that stuff, and then we throw it away. And along with that stuff, we throw away all of the embedded value um, and the time and the energy that went into making that stuff. And of course, that applies as well as to how we produce and how we consume our food. Now, this economic model has helped us to lift millions of people out of poverty and it's enabled billions of people to be able to live on this planet but in being able to do that it has also had severe consequences on our natural environment and is increasingly showing the fragility of the economic system that we're living in so that's what the linear economy is and we know that we need to change that so when you take that description how does the circular economy fit in with it well a circular economy looks to design out issues associated with a linear economy and it does that whilst also enabling businesses, people and planet to thrive. The circular economy is based on three principles. So that is eliminate waste and pollution. It is circulate products and materials and regenerate nature. And you might be asking at this point in time, what does the circular economy have to do with food? Well, when we think about the circular economy and food, we think about eliminating food loss and waste, circulating nutrients and upcycle ingredients. And of course, one of the most important ways in which we can regenerate nature, the way in which we grow and produce our food, which has such a powerful impact on our world. 
So when we've been thinking about the circular economy and food, one tool that we have identified for bringing that in to the way we think about food and the way that we approach food within our current society is using the technique of, or the framework rather, of circular design for food. So this is going beyond food design in our business as usual, linear way. And it combines those circular economy principles. So the eliminate waste and pollution, circulate products and materials and regenerate nature with that uh, area of design that I talked about earlier. And one point to make here is that we often don't think about our food as being designed. We often think about our food as just kind of arriving on our plate and being as it is, but there is always a design concept in place when we have our food. So if you think about uh, the pasta I had for dinner last night or the cheese on the sandwich or the bread itself, when a food designer brought that to life, they had an idea in their head. They had a concept. They had a concept around taste. They had a context around texture. They had a concept of how long it will last in your in your fridge or on your shelf. So these design ideas, these design decisions are always being made. So then when looking at circular economy, the way we make our food, food design plays a really important role in bringing that circular economy decision making in at that point in time. So it's what we've been identifying through circular design for food is an actionable framework to redesign product portfolios. And it looks at ingredient selection and sourcing. It looks at that whole portfolio itself, but also the packaging too. So there's product concepts, including all of those different aspects of it. And so when thinking about circular design for food, um, and how that then bring, starts to bring about some of the circular economy to life. I have to talk a little bit about like the framework and the concepts around it before I can really start to say, to talk about how it can be seen in the products that we might see on shelf. So um, in terms of that framework itself and bringing that to life in product concepts, the framework is consisting of kind of three ingredient opportunities and it's underpinned by regenerative production. So the ingredient opportunities we've identified that can be used in circular design for food is lower impact ingredients, it's diverse ingredients, it's upcycled ingredients, and that is also all, as I mentioned, underpinned by regenerative production. Now, this all sounds like something which is all quite theoretical, but this I think is where the real potential to bring circular design to food to life through the design. So having this really easy, actionable framework that food designers can use. So when we talk about lower impact ingredients, we could be talking about shifting from industrially produced animal products to lower impact alternatives, or potentially moving from one crop to another. So it could be from a higher impact crop, such as wheat, to a lower impact crop, such as peas, for example. And one of the examples that we often show to kind of bring it to life is imagine if your pasta was made using pea, pea flour instead of wheat flour and um, the impact that can have at a landscape level. So the idea that that pea flour really has so many positive impacts on the production as it's been made. So you 
I mean, the, the positive impacts of legumes, I'm sure, are not lost on you, but the opportunities for improving soil health, for fixing nitrogen, so reducing inputs, I mean, these are all help to make it lower impact. And then we've got diversity, we've got upcycle, we can really go into some of these different areas. Um, diversity is actually often overlooked, but nature thrives on diversity. Nature is not made in a, in a uh, monoculture. It has different interactions from different plants and different animals all working together to be able to create those outcomes. And this is what we need to see more of. At the moment, we are so reliant on a handful of crops. So this idea that I think we are 60% of the calories that we consume is brought to us in the form of four different crops, which is madness if you think about it. We have so many different places across the world that we're farming in and have entirely different climates. Even if you think about it from an agricultural point of view, if you look at the fields uh, within a farm, they can be massively different from one field to the next. So this idea of diversity really is overlooked, but has so much potential. So this is the kind of the framework that we, we're talking about. Do you see any barriers to implement this type of thinking into business? So we do. We have identified a lot of different barriers which currently are kind of stopping our progress towards it. And these are kind of areas that we've talked about in our big food redesign um, report that we uh, brought out back in 2021. Um, and those kind of go from the current relationships that we're seeing between farmers and big companies. So uh, those that current collaborative dynamic which is in place and in order to be able to bring circular design for food to life, you need the right working relationships with farmers. So you need strong working relationships, which really recognize the context in which they're farming. So we know that there is no universal pathway for farmers to follow. They have to work within the context that they are farming in. So creating that collaborative dynamic is really important to supporting them. But also designing with those farmers to be able to create those regenerative outcomes at a landscape level. So I talked about the diversity then in terms of the framework that we uh, that is in place through circular design for food and that can be used by food designers. That idea of having multiple different crops and multiple different kind of options to create the right regenerative outcomes at a landscape level is really, really important. But we can't forget the role of the farmers in designing that and in creating um, that lands a rotation that really helps to create those regenerative outcomes at a landscape level. So involving that farmer and their reality in the food design strategies over time and really helping to make, to um, create a link between what we need at a farm level to produce to, uh, produce to create this regenerative outcome and those products that we see on shelves so that's one of those barriers but there are others as well we know that it's about uh, that we need to see action from companies around creating ambition ambitious well-resourced action plans so although we know that this is difficult we know that there are many opportunities for these businesses to really put in place product development strategies that combine that circular design for food framework and then start to really transform their ingredient portfolios. Mm. 
which, which role play a tool like procurement or yeah. innovation in this process? So procurement, I think, is a really important and um, great opportunity. But I think policy overall, having that supportive policy framework um, and the role of procurement through governments there in order to support that is a really, really important area. And as a kind of action area that we also identified through this report. So we know that governments recognize the role that food plays in, in uh, system transformation and the important role it can play in tackling climate change and biodiversity loss. And we feel that there is a real opportunity for those policies to be able to support what the transformation that circular design for food and circular economy policies can really create in that food system. So we think there's an opportunity here for those governments to really bring about these policies, but also for businesses to support them and to encourage the bringing about of those policies. So most definitely the wider policy bracket, there is so much that we should be able to do and need to do to be able to, to remove barriers to bringing the circular economy into place. And innovation. And innovation as well. I think in terms of innovation um, and really creating those enabling policies, that is really important. I would very much want to stress when thinking about those kind of new products and innovation that we really want to see a holistic view and holistic kind of focus on um, where on bringing about systemic change within the system. So not bringing in siloed thinking, not looking at uh, innovation to tackle individual problems on their own, but looking at the whole picture, looking at the opportunity that we have to create this systemic change and speaking to those multiple problems. So that's kind of like an interesting area that I think innovation can really speak to, but it's something we'd really encourage to see. What is the expectation about the big food redesign challenge? Uh, how how is it with the setup? Who are involved? So that's a really good question. Actually, it leads back to my first point as well about the um, the work that we're doing through the food initiative at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation um, and that circular design for food. Because one of those areas that we identified that we really need to see action is bringing to life iconic products, so inspirational products that really start to demonstrate that circular design for food can be scaled, can be brought into existence through these products. So one of the areas, one of the um, opportunities we think we've created to help companies to think about how these products could encompass circular design for food, to be able to have this space to innovate, to trial, to really start to um, be creative is via creating this challenge. So the challenge itself really aims to kind of catalyze and inspire the food industry to produce food that helps nature to thrive. So it's by applying the principles of circular design for food um, and participants can use that framework in order to create this food product that have that potential to regenerate nature. So participants will be designing new food products. They might even be re redesigning 
old food products that we know and we love in order to meet those circular design for food principles. And those successful teams that are uh, going into the challenge, that are submitting these ideas um, and are successful, will then have the opportunity to pitch to retailers to be able to bring those products to market, which is a really exciting thing to see a product concept going from using the circular design for food framework in its design right through to being potentially available on shelf for customers to buy. So the challenge I think is a really ex great example of exciting collaboration. So it brings together ambitious producers and retailers and startups and suppliers to really help to accelerate the design for food that enables regeneration of nature. And what sort of expectation do you have? And which type of companies do you see involved in this? Kind of starting with that first question around um, kind of how long it will go on for. Um, so we're at the very start of the challenge at the moment. So we launched back in May um, and we then opened up the challenge for, for participants to be able to apply. So at the moment, we're in that first stage where we're looking for interested um, companies to apply to be part of the challenge and this phase is very much about testing and learning it's we we refer to it as a design phase but what it does is it connects some of those it connects those participants to uh, resources to interesting information and the framework around circular design for food it connects them with experts it connects them with colleagues as well it connects them with all different types of businesses uh, in order to be able to start having these conversations about how we can bring these products to life and where the opportunities lie which is incredibly exciting so this is that first phase but as we move through over this 18 month window that we're working on the challenge and we're operating we will then start to see those successful product design ideas which have been brought through coming into life and being created and produced then with the end result being hopefully these products showcased and their stories around the design and how they've been brought to life and some of their learnings uh, shared in a way that should be helpful to others who want to work along this path too. Martin Freak mentioned earlier the needs to empower the small producers and farmers in your in our food system in your new challenge uh, you also address small producer how feasible is it for a poor small small producer to be more engaged um so in, we are very clear that businesses of all size have a role to play in bringing about change so right up from the big big companies producing those products that we're all familiar with and we all love and have um, in our store cupboards at home, right through to those small startups, those small producers um, who are working in very innovative spaces, sometimes more um, unknown spaces. So the, the challenge is very much open to that vast swathe of different types of product producers. 
I think you're also in your question, you're also talking a bit more about kind of farmers and also smallholders and all of the different size of farming and agricultural businesses, which were involved in producing those ingredients that we then uh, use in creating these food products. And very much, as I talked about, farmers are incredibly important in bringing circular design for food to life and have a really important voice here. Farmers can also be part of this challenge. So it's an industry-wide challenge that really wants to look at those global challenges and who can be closer to what's happening on the ground than farmers. In order to be able to create the uh, products that really bring regeneration of nature to life, participants will need great ingredients. So they need ingredients that can boast regenerative outcomes for nature from farmers and fishers that really care about how their products are produced. And they'll also need a greater diversity of ingredients produced in a way that again brings to life these regenerative outcomes. And those farmers, as I mentioned, are really putting nature at the heart. And this will be different for every product in terms of the kind of the volume of those ingredients and how that might how that might look. So these are kind of conversations I'm sure will happen between participants and farmers. But what we're trying to do is give farmers the opportunity to showcase their ingredients through our, uh, so we're working with a company called Howgood, which you might be familiar with already. They're a fantastic company um, who have really brought a wealth of expertise to the challenge. And they are using their supplier portal to be able to give those farmers that are, are working with nature at the heart of their business the opportunity to showcase their ingredients. Now, for farmers of different uh, for diff farmers of different sizes, what they're offering might be different, but we know that there's different mechanisms to be able to offer those uh, products in a way that. Uh, businesses can then use them so it might be that smaller farmers will be working through cooperatives and um, we have seen um, some really interesting examples through our other work so some of our other case studies work of cooperatives and groups of small producers really farming really working together to bring regenerative outcomes where they can and to really work with nature at their heart. So one of the examples that we often talk about is the system of rice intensification. And an example that we give is Lotus Foods, who are working with lots of different rice farmers who are growing their rice so it impacts less on nature and climate than conventional rice would be um, would impact. So using agroecological approaches to be able to produce that rice, which is really exciting and a great example of where that collaboration is happening. But like I said, lots of different products that might be different um, ways for farmers and producers to engage together to make sure that uh, we're supporting regenerative outcomes at a landscape level. Seems to be a big ambition, and uh, hopefully we will see change coming out from from the work you're doing. Will we have the time to change course and and address the impacts of food production in the coming two decades? So I'm an optimist and I always have been, I always will be. And I firmly believe that we have a chance 
and the opportunity to make this change in time. But we do have to act now and we know that we have to act now. So to, to do that, we need to bring about a circular economy into our food system and create that food that is good for nature, which is good for farmers and for business and for our planet. Thank you very much, Rebecca, for your participation in Transformers today. Thank it's you. It's great much. to be on the podcast. Thank you. I'm Kai Embren. Follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month and each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more. Visit my homepage, kaiembren.org. Thank you for listening.